All right, Jeremy, what do you have today? I have more listener-provided content than ever before. Stuff about COVID conspiracies, Kennedy, uh, and some more GOP promises. And you're scrubbing through your own entry, your own intro. Was an was an accident. <laughs> I have a silver have? spoon, Jeremy. A silver spoon. I have vaccine regret. I have a William Kelly update, and I have state. Oh boy! De- I have State Department pronouns, Jeremy. Very exciting. You ready? Do it. Let's do it. Okay, people. Let's begin. Lift off, everybody get up. Are you ready to be baited with the truth? Good, because you're listening to the Truth Bait Podcast. I'm documentary filmmaker and podcaster Andrew Marcus, and with me always as we deconstruct America's propaganda war and reconstruct America's cultural narrative in our image is documentary filmmaker, podcaster, the one and only rebel pundit. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jeremy Siegel. Hello, Mr. Marcus. Hello, Jeremy. Welcome to your Tuesday. How was your weekend? Productive. Nice. You sent me a photograph. You were in a bee suit again. Once again, turning into a bee podcast, I suppose. (laughs) Well, that's sweet. What uh, what were you doing with bees again? Were you back at the same farm? What were you, you sent me a picture. You were in a full bee-keeping uh, outfit. You were quarantined from the bees, I think, as a result. You said in the last episode you'd been stung a number of times. Were you, were you taking extra precautions this time? That was so I don't catch COVID from them. <laughs> Are they they spread COVID? Uh, but you can you can eat their honey. That's fine. Uh, yeah. And you were holding a queen. Yes. Did you have I what did you have to do to get to the queen? Is that hard to do? What do you do? Yeah, you have to find her and grab her. But do the, the other do the other bees like try to defend her? What happens? Sometimes they were buzzing around me, um, but nobody stung me. They were all. They were all fine with it, but I felt compelled to take a photo so I could prove to people that I've done it. Did you I take that photo yourself queen. or did somebody else take that photo? It looked like somebody else was holding the camera. No, I, 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 with my bare hand, picked up a queen, held onto her, and then took a selfie. Huh. Well, I was very excited. That's so. as close as I get to nature here in Chicago. Oh, yeah, you're right. There it is. Only one. Yeah, you got one hand. Oh, wait, you're holding the queen in your bare hand. Yeah, that's you didn't notice that. Uh, I was too consumed with you behind the fencing. You look like you have (laughs) (laughs) behind a wire mesh. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. You're uh, I'm surprised and that they're next not. Time you they're come not over. Why aren't they swan? No, you're gonna, the, no. The, <laughs> you're gonna do it. No, I can't believe that they are not swarming your hand right now. To why aren't they protecting their queen? 
because they let my bees know me and they like me. Mm. So this is your this is your hive you're tending this to. This is back in my bee yard. Yes. Okay, and I didn't realize that this, you. I've never seen you with one of these costumes. That's probably not called a costume. <laughs> one of these uniforms. Uh, uh, when you're at home, I, I, so is this because the size of your farm has grown so big or you just are now a little bit more gun shy because you've been stung so many times? No, I always wear some, uh, a veil over my face. I, you don't, it's not, I don't mind getting stung in my hand, but getting stung in the face hurts. It feels like your face is going to blow up if you get stung in a few different places at the same time. Is this, uh, is this outfit foolproof or do you still get, can they still get in? Uh, I have had them get in through the sleeves, you know, but it's rare that that happens. But uh, I was practicing. There's beekeepers, not all, but some will get to a point where you start picking up the queen and you mark them with a marker so they become easier to find, like a little paint pen. And it's definitely a skill uh, that you have to develop. And this particular queen, I'm not going to get into the whole story, but she doesn't have long to live. And <laughs> wait, <laughs> how do you know that her test results came back? I, because she's not performing up to standards. And so she's going to have to take one for the team and she's going to get put down. Oh, it's sad. I know you have to actually destroy but, it. Yeah. She's going to, She's going to take the axe, and then a new queen is going to get installed into that colony and take over. And so she's a good queen to practice picking up, because if you hurt her, it's okay. She's going to die anyway. Okay. Last last thing I'm going to ask you on this. <laughs> okay. What is the method of execution of a queen bee? You pinch them. You just, in your bare them. hands, you just pinch it? Pinch the queen, it's called. There's a name for this. Yep. Where where do you pinch it? Like in the head? Yeah, you just... Done. Don't you prefer to wear, wear gloves or something when you do this? Why do you... <laughs> oh, Jeremy. <laughs> so, everybody, welcome to the Truth Bake. No, we are, we are getting to the truth of this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize the carnage that was involved. <laughs> wow. Okay, I want video of this of the destruction of the queen bee, please. By the way, everybody, if you love to hear me talk about my bees in the beginning of the show, share the show. Yes, everybody, uh, do share the show. That is uh, an excellent piece of value you can return to the show. Uh, write us at truthatruthbait.com and tell us how much you love honey. I have seen more people sharing the show. Have you? It, it's happening. And not only that, Jeremy, we got another rating. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. On, I saw two reviews oh, on, on Apple. Okay. Yeah, I saw two new reviews on Apple. Somebody put up Apple Podcast. I don't know if you saw, but somebody put up a review and it was a very glowing review, but they attached a two star uh, rating on the review. You're kidding. But now it looks like they must have gone back and changed it to five stars. They are now all must five stars again. 
I never saw a two star. And then I know the that one from a while back had a four star. But yeah, there's no four stars now. It's just five star reviews. Well, thank you to everybody who has gone. Let, we should let's let's read. Boy, are we going to get accused of writing our own reviews? <laughs> uh, should we write our own reviews? That wouldn't be bad. But if we wrote our own reviews, they'd be like these guys are so boring. <laughs> right. That Marcus guy laughs um, at everything, even when there's nothing funny happening. And he stammers all the time. That's, I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I would be brutally two. honest. Uh, so you have the real Alex Jones Christian Infowars is the title of this review. You guys are like <laughs> Alec Baldwin Jones killing the production and killing it with the truth. We continue listening and highly, rec- will continue listening and highly recommended. Wow. Did you, now let me ask you this because. Did you ever think you would be the co-host of the real Alex Jones Christian Infowars? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been a long journey. Did you ever? Th- <laughs> did you ever think you would be compared to <laughs> the real Alex Jones uh, as a Christian Infowars? Isn't is Alex Jones Christian? <laughs> He claims he is. I don't know if he is or not. I don't know if he, he wears he, a religious mantle at all. He does. He often. Uh, he will often talk about Christian issues. I th- I think he's somewhat culturally Christian. I think he's like a professing Christian. But I've, with regard to the way he does talk about a lot of those issues and some of the things he does, I would. Like he's it's he's a different kind of Christian than I am, I guess is the best way to put it. Well, and I would say this show isn't specifically a Christian show or an InfoWars show, but it's also not not a Christian. I mean, it's it's Christian, no, it's not Christian. You know what yeah, I mean? I it's it, it, we are uh, very open and uh, uh, happy to talk about all of these issues. Bring your religion to the table, everybody. Um, but I kind of like that. I, I like that review. Like it's like me too. It's like we're you're you guys are. It's like we're getting out the true parts of Alex Jones reporting. <laughs> well, uh, people are enter- people are entertained by Alex Jones, and hopefully that means people are entertained by what we're doing because we aren't just trying to inform. We're also trying to laugh through this calamity we're all going through together because that may be one of the uh, one of the ways we make it through. Is by keeping our sense of humor. Um, see. Uh, there was one more. Yeah, do you want to read it now one. or do you want to read it later? Uh, we can come back to it. Let's come back to it. Let's keep people wanting more. We have some truth to get to, don't we? Yeah, I have, we have no particular order set up today. We have not pre-discussed anything. You go first. You take something and go. Run with it. Well, I had the th- so... One of the things that we're always encouraging listeners to do is to send in content. So uh, I actually got some content, more content this week sent to me than I have previously. So I think that's exciting and that's a success. Uh, listener participation is something that we definitely uh, we want to make it 
you know, probably one of the bigger components of this production, don't you think? It's, it is so valuable to us. It literally translates into saving us time. And you can quantify all of the time that we are spending on this podcast. It has real value. So when you send us content and we're able to save our time and present this content and it fits right in with what we're trying to talk about, that is of real value. So this first thing I have looks like a total conspiracyville from David G in Illinois. Do I need to get my hat on? Um well, I don't know exactly what the conspiracy is. All right, well, I'll wait. I'll I hold started on. looking into it. But it's what it is is it's sort of it's sort of interesting and it definitely allows you um to kind of draw some conclusions that there are some conspiracies out there. <laughs> I'm excited. Let's hear it. Put it that way. Except uh my mouse just stopped working. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. My mouse literally just stopped working. Do you want okay. me to? Do you want me nope, to play? I plugged it in. You got it must be oh, a dead battery. All right. Okay. The wonderful world. This show is li- is not live, ladies and gentlemen, but it is ninety nine point nine percent unedited. So, do you know who Doctor Wen is? Oh yes, uh, uh, COVID, the Doctor COVID, Doctor Doom of COVID. Dr. Liana Wen. Oh, I hate her voice so much. She was, you know, pretty much a go-to lockdown doctor, a go-to trust the CDC doctor. She wanted to punish everybody for not being vaccinated. She was a go-to suspend the rights of the unvaccinated. Yep. And she was a go-to to blame the unvaccinated for the ongoing uh, pandemic. And then she flipped never... at some point. Right. And I think that's, there's some of that comes up in this thread. So David G sent this thread to me that has some suspicious feelings about Dr. Wen, because it does get into her. She's, she's starting to, kind of turn around now and say like uh, everyone should choose the level of precaution appropriate to their family situation without judgment. Uh, I'm concerned about those who advocate for broad restrictions for all publicly, (laughs) but don't live those values in their personal lives. That hurts trust in public health. Um, So yeah, she's kind of uh, taking a turn. Here's a, just an older clip from her, if you're not uh, too familiar. I think the CDC is in a tough place, but no, I don't think that they have been um, as clear and practical. What should they with be doing? What should they, they be really saying? Should be. 
I think they should be telling people at this point, if you're vaccinated, you are extremely well protected from getting coronavirus yourself and from spreading it. How you go about things at this point is up to you. There actually is no right or wrong answer. There are some people who are going to say, I still want to be really cautious and hunker down. I don't want to take any risks at all. Other people are going to say, I want to go back to all of my pre-pandemic life. And I actually think that that's fine. We should focus our energy on the unvaccinated. The people who are vaccinated are not a, a major public health threat. Let them do what they want to do to regain normalcy in their lives. Okay, that was on a CNN interview. So uh, you want, she wants people to regain normalcy in their lives that we're vaccinated, and there's another. Vaccinated people are mixing unless there is proof of vaccination. Everybody should still be wearing masks, and so I actually support what the CDC is now doing, which is going back to this indoor mask requirement, because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated that they have been walking around without masks, and in fact, that's what led to the surge that we're seeing. That, that was a very funny. nefarious tactic that she and the government took on that. I just want to chime in on that because do you, do you remember, do you ever see the movie Full Metal Jacket? I have. Yeah. So there's a scene in there when, you know, there's a character, Gomer Pyle, who is this, you know, overweight, clumsy dude in basic training in the Marines, and he is just incapable of doing anything right. And so the drill sergeant very sadistically decides to turn the platoon loose on this guy. And the way that he does it is he constantly punishes the platoon for everything that this guy does wrong. And in this analogy, the non-vaccinated are Gomer Pyle not getting it right, doing things wrong, not getting vaccinated. And the platoon is everyone else out there, the vaccinated, who they punish by making them put masks back on because of yes. those misbehaving, aberrant, unvaccinated. Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good comparison. Um, well, so Dr. Simon G Godick, uh, I think G O D D E K or Godick, I don't know exactly how it is pronounced, but and I don't know who he is, um, but he does have a blue check mark that he, he got. He must have bought at this point. Right? Isn't that how you get a blue check on Twitter? Yes, now? you have to. You, you have to it? subscribe. Okay, so it doesn't actually mean you're verified anymore. It just means you pay. No, it, well, no, it, it means you're verified uh, according to a democratic process that anybody can become verified. You're no oh, longer okay. just deemed but special. You, but you pay for your verification. You do. You pay for your verification, but it does. It literally, you know, it makes the definition a little more accurate. It verifies who you are. Okay, so Dr. Simon Goddick had uh, put this thread out, and one of the things he highlights here is that uh, she was, uh, in 2018, she was the president of Planned Parenthood, um, which I was unaware of. And so she's, you know, she's definitely part of the left establishment, but I think the big one here was that and what is getting people to take a, a second look at her and maybe how long she's been involved in government or media propaganda is uh, she's all over CNN and CNN went to her. Do you remember she was a she was a doctor in Boston? Yeah, Do she was remember? on CNN every day from what I could remember. I saw you know clips of her coming off that channel every day. Yeah, well, do you know when else she was on CNN? 
No. Do you remember the Boston bombing? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, evidently, she was on CNN that time, too. That was a long time ago. That may be how she was introduced to the producers over there. Maybe. uh, But her interview, listen to this interview on CNN about the about the Boston bombing. This is back from um, then contemporaneous. This is when it, yeah, this was like that week, you know, or it sounds like a, it's Jake Tapper uh, interviewing her. And here it goes. Joining me now is Dr. Lena Wen. She's an emergency room physician who was working at Massachusetts general hospital the day of the terror attack. This recording is how it plays. So I'm sorry for it sounding sort of weird as far as the audio goes. She also works at Brigham and Women's Hospital. So you were at Massachusetts General Monday. What happened? Oh, it was a horrific day. We had no idea what was coming. It was three o'clock and we heard that there were two explosions, but we didn't know where. We had no idea how many people were coming to us. How many people came? It seemed like dozens and it was. It was probably nearly three dozen patients. Does it sound at all like she might be reading a script? She doesn't. Yeah, she sounds ready for the story. She, you know, she doesn't. Like it's, and when you watch, she sounds it, seasoned. Yeah, when you watch it, it's very, it's very bizarre. Listen to that again now, with you know the expectation that she's reading from a script and possibly struggling to recall. Are you the lines. are you accusing her of being a uh, something actor? I don't even want to say it and have it in the transcript. <laughs> I'm not accusing her of that. Dr. Simon Goddick has accused her of that. So listen to this now with that sort of perspective or expectation. She also works at Brigham and Women's Hospital. So you were at Massachusetts General Monday. What happened? Oh, it was a horrific day. We had no idea what was coming. It was three o'clock and we heard that there were two explosions, but we didn't know where. We had no idea how many people were coming to us. How many people came? It seemed like dozens and it was. It was probably nearly three dozen patients in two hours or so. And was the hospital ready for it? I heard from Dr. Walls from the other uh, Brigham Women's Hospital that because of all the drills the hospitals here have been running since 9-11, you were unbelievably prepared. Technically and medically, we were ready. We had done drills. We knew what to do with each individual patient who came in. But I've never seen trauma like this before. The volume and the nature of the trauma was really chilling and really shocking. And on a personal note, you hadn't yet heard from your husband while this was all going on. And then you hear a cell phone ring. You reach into your pocket, but it wasn't your cell phone ringing. Yeah, so we actually lived just a block away from here, from Coffee Square. And my husband had told me that he was coming to watch at the finish line. And then we heard that the explosions happened. So while I was treating patients, I had no idea whether the next patient was going to be my husband. I thought, I mean, I really thought because there was soot and blood everywhere. I thought there was a good chance that the next patient I'd be seeing on the stretcher would turn out to be my husband. She doesn't sound very terrified. Does she? Uh, no, she sounds uh, made for media. Yeah. And this is a Chinese-born woman, doctor. She was like the biggest propagandist 
there was during COVID. And she was here back then in Boston. And what are you saying? You, hold on. You, now I am. Hold on. What do are you, you saying? Do you remember? Well, I was interested. Well, so somebody commented on this thread that was Maria comments. This is on Twitter. I remember when they closed Boston after the bombing. <laughs> it was the first time I ever remembered a U.S. city being brought to a halt. I wondered how on earth it was constitutional. <laughs> I believe it was a test run to see if anyone would push back, and no one did. And then that, well, they like, shut Manhattan. Got, they shut Manhattan on 9-11. Did they have a lockdown in yeah, Manhattan? Yeah, they, cl- they closed it. They, you, uh, all the bridges were up. Everything was, uh, they, they locked it out, if I'm not mistaken. Let me look it up, see what I can find. Because uh, I do remember Boston was like a stay in, stay in your house order. That was start. This jogged my memory. Oh, there was a stay. Uh, see, I don't know if there was that. They had people like because they were looking for the two guys. You remember the 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 Rolling Stone model right. that yeah. started the bomb, or that blew up the bomb, and then and then his brother. They were looking all over for them. So they had like a lockdown order where everybody had to stay in their house until they found the two guys. And everybody did do that. So I think that the I think the thought process here is is drawing the connection of her being a Chinese, some type of Chinese agent. Or, or a go-to media propagandist for some of these operations that are going on. Uh, I don't know if she is. You know, the, 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 this tweet starts with, what a coincidence that it was when uh, U.S. and China's top COVID fearmonger who was interviewed right after the Boston bombing. She speaks as if she's struggling to recall her lines. At least her accent has improved. That's kind of <laughs> so little racist, Doctor. I it. don't know that she's reading from a script as much as she may have taken time to write down a couple of things to have answers to appear on the media because she seems very media savvy. That said, I sure would like to know a lot more about her without if I could do it without having to ever hear her voice. <laughs> is the most there's something very nasally about her voice. I, I can't even like I, if I listen to her, I could repeat like I she climbs inside my head. Like if I'm ever you know uh, taken hostage and they want to torture me, that's what they're going to play outside my cell. Is <laughs> a loud clip of her on loop. Uh, uh, so, but I, I I do think it's worth knowing more about her, where she's from. Her connections. I think there's probably a lot of people in the media that uh, I would uh, also feel that way about. She's definitely a propagandist all day long. Yeah, I mean, she, and so I, I did. Do, she become I, that organically, or was she trained yeah, so, for that? I don't. That I don't know. 
born in i see on twitter i don't know if how accurate this is it's on twitter born in shanghai in january 1983 and um there's a lot of people drawing conclusions to her being a you know planned parenthood abortionist see but you have to be uh, if she she was she led planned parenthood I guess she was yeah. the became their president. Yeah, she's a political that animal. That must have been after what's her name went out. She's uh, a political sure. animal. You have to be a political animal to become the the leader of Planned Parenthood. That's a political stepping stone. Yeah. So she's very political. She's very savvy. It doesn't surprise me that she was like probably you know sought out a producer or somebody for her sought out a producer for her to become front and center. I wonder if she's really a doctor, right? Does she have any actual patients? That's what I wonder. That's what I think is interesting here. Like she's in a she takes over Planned Parenthood. And the headline is a doctor is taking over Planned Parenthood. She was a. Crisis actor during the Boston Ah, oh, Jeremy. <laughs> you're gonna get us. Well, you're gonna get us. You're gonna. You're gonna get kill our sponsors. The best thing that could ever happen to us is that we get sued for one billion dollars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no thank I you. I have one billion bees for you. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Right. And then she's. You know, then she turns out to be the top propagandist during COVID. And so to me, this it's like she's a LARP. Explain to people like what a, a LARP is. Live action role play. Like, is she real? That's my question. Is she really a doctor? Doctor when? Well, she has an MD. I don't know. I think that's a perfect uh, uh, goal for us to ask our producers to see if any of them can do some research and dig up her background. And David G. Uh, in Illinois, I assign you with that task. <laughs> Is that who sent you this? <laughs> that's who sent this. And I, so far, you know, I didn't have a lot of time to dig into it, but I found it to be interesting. I agree. And it I is interesting. It's worth, worth us bringing up, worth us mentioning. I just, I found that audio uh, in that interview, like going back in time, right? Because you could imagine like in the moment of just coming off of that marathon bombing, like you watch this interview and you probably just sit there and watch it, right? And then move on to the next one. I mean, that was before Alex Jones introduced the world to crisis actor as a thing, wasn't it? Yeah, but did you he, no, you know time. what? It was it was Jim Hoff they accused of 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 using the term crisis actor, and he had never used the term crisis actor. Is that right? <laughs> um, but if you go now looking at this clip, I mean, she really does come across that way, and in in reality, during the COVID stuff. She's kind of doing the same thing. She's like a crisis actor. She's like the doc playing the role of the doctor to tell every tell everybody what's going on and trust the CDC and we can't trust the unvaccinated. And basically, she's a media propagandist. Um, There's no question she's a propagandist. That was, but that having was, this role back in you know, is it a coincidence that back during the Boston bombing, she was just the 
the doctor there at, when that happened that, that they went to? Yes and know, no. Yes and no. It doesn't have to be a fully planned out conspiracy. I think that there are... Uh, it, it, she is a propagandist. She is a tool. She may very well be a trained agent. Don't know. But uh, the she... My guess is she sought out media or somebody related to her sought out media. She probably, if she was already the director of Planned Parenthood, she had tons of media contacts already. So that relationship was already there. Well, this would have been, this would have been before that. Oh, it would have been before that. Right. The Boston bombing was before 2018. Oh, you're right. It was in 2013. President of Planned Parenthood. Oh, okay. So, oh, so that might have the, been the the launch of her political could have career. Been the launch of her political career, maybe. I don't. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Who is Doctor Wen? That's not W H E N. It's W E N. I, I definitely, David. That's who sent it. David G in Illinois. David G, please dig harder, dig more in, and we will talk more about it if you can send us more info because we're both interested. Uh, I'm interested in the total conspiracy angle. Andrew sounds like he's interested in the non-conspiracy. No, because I, 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 I'm leaving the door open that there could be a total conspiracy there. She could be a trained agent, uh, which is why I want someone to dig down more because you, you know you'll All find right. what you find. Very good. So that's great. Thank you for the listener provided content. Um, did you say you had some COVID thing? I, so since we're talking about vaccines, let's play this. This was going to be the oh, perfect right. one to play at the end of the show. Uh, well, you can't now because we just talked about vaccines. Right. It's COVID. It's to, vaccines. It's all. Yeah, so here's a, do a smooth transition into the next. Yeah. I, I picked this up from No Agenda Social. And there's no uh, name. Let's see. The TikTok that it came from is at JDFMCP. But I don't know if that's the person who's in this or if that's just the person who filmed it. This is a comic, a British comic, who has a very interesting bit. Take a listen. I regret having gotten the vaccine. <laughs> I really regret having gotten the vaccine. Sure, it's fine, but I just wish when the state told me to do something, I'd be the sort of person who said no. But it turns out I'm the sort of person who says fine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand what's going on. You're telling me it's important. Okay. I, and all they had to do was say, you won't be allowed to go into pubs for like a month. And I was like, put it in me. <laughs> That's what I'm upset about is that I had a principle temporarily like, oh, wow. oh, if I was in Nazi Germany I would have stood up to the regime I wouldn't stand up to not being able to go to a pub for a month I would have been like Anne Frank, she's in that attic there, I saw her it doesn't matter what the point of principle was the point is I would have been a chill and that I have to live with that for the rest of my three or four more years before I have a heart attack it's well, it funny. sounds like he was. What? It sounds like he was getting his advice from Doctor Wen. Right, <laughs> he was. No, I thought that was. I thought it was very funny uh, because uh, it's true. 
it's funny, but it's also sad. Well, that's this is where I'm saying. I think that part of getting through the calamity we are in is being able to laugh. Because if you don't, the alternative is not very attractive. And it is getting people to hear the message. If he were communicating the exact same thing with a <clears throat> top-down speech from a podium, nobody would hear it. A select few would hear it. This is going to go much wider because it makes people laugh. Spoonful of sugar. No? <laughs> well. I just have to fill the emptiness there for something. I'll throw, throw in a well. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's funny. I think it, it was funny. But it was also sad. I agree. Uh, what Do you have anything else? What do you have? Anything uh, short, random? What you got? Yeah, well, Throw it out. Kennedy, there was a Kennedy. Do you hear my dogs? Yeah, here, let me play something while you settle them. Okay. All right, here, let's do... Uh, do you remember... Do you remember Ricky Schroeder? Yes. From Silver Spoons. Silver forever. Spoons, here. <laughs> here we are, face to face. A couple of silver spoons. Yeah, so Ricky Schroeder was a actor, child actor on the '80s sitcom Silver Spoons. And uh, actually, I, I <laughs> just that was the original opener from the first year. Here it was five years later. So, wow. <laughs> it, the show <laughs> spanned multiple eras. Uh, so Ricky Schroeder, well, he goes by Rick Schroeder. He was Ricky Schroeder back then. Now he's Rick Schroeder. And I found this video where he has a warning, and it's a very dire warning, and I clipped it. I've edited this a little bit, but it runs about three, three minutes. So uh, take a listen to this. There's some leadership that I think is corrupted within our government and within Hollywood and within industry. And that may be why we're not seeing accountability. We're seeing a lot of investigations into the corruption, but we're seeing nobody held accountable. And I think I, I have a theory of why that is. I believe that they're blackmailed. The people that would hold them accountable are blackmailed themselves. So the investigators that are investigating are blackmailed at the top. Let me explain. When I was young, I couldn't drive yet. I was hanging out with the older guys. Somebody popped in a cassette tape into a VHS player. And there was a room with a body. I believe it was a male laying on a table. And uh, people came around the room. It was dimly lit, but they had hoods and robes on. And uh, they had some sort of ritual where they took out a knife. I want you to know I've censored his description of what happens, but it's grotesque. And they were chanting. And um, it was uh, quite disturbing to see. And so... Uh, they gave me the cassette, and I took the cassette to somebody I trusted. And I 
we watched it and uh, they said never watch that again and give it back to whoever gave it to you so I did that but I was always confused about why they didn't ask where it came from and so I believe that I met some of the cult members when I was younger and uh, they could be the Illuminati or tied to them and um, if you type in Illuminati backwards it'll actually take you to the NSA what? what is that? Hold on a second. Let's do that. <laughs> How do you even spell Illuminati backwards? Uh, hold on. Yeah, you're right. Illuminati. <laughs> okay, so it would be I T A N I M U L L I. Dot com. Does this take me to the NSA? Yes, it does. <laughs> somebody, wow. somebody, somebody out there has got a good sense of humor. <laughs> uh, I mean, anybody could buy that domain and route it to any website they want. Right. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, I mean, that's spooky. <laughs> All right, wait, let me let Rick. You up. think the NSA would block it? <laughs> no, the, you know they love conspiracy theories. They love all of that. They love the people well, that are consumed first, by it. My first thought about this whole thing that you're playing is is a, is a, just another role for this guy. Hang on. National Security Agency. So um, if, in fact, we have no accountability or justice, it could be because these people that are supposed to bring us justice and protect and defend the constitution are corrupted by this cult which i believe exists in, in all, all globally but it especially has a, a roots in um hollywood and in and in the environmental cult and in industry and politics because uh that's the only explanation i have for why we haven't had accountability and justice for what they've done to America and continue to do to America while we all just watch. All right, that's off my chest. That feels better. Now you all know. God bless America and God bless those trying to defeat this cult. In Jesus' name, I give you this message. Amen. So you doubt his sincerity? Well, you question. I don't, doubt may be too strong. I, the whole thing is weird. What is it? Is it a, it says just him recording himself? Him, uh, yeah, it looks like he's on some sort of a ranch. So he looks very, those- he looks scraggly and I mean, it looks like somebody's working the land in Arizona somewhere, New Mexico, maybe Montana. Does I don't know. He, does he have a show right now? He had a, didn't he have a pretty successful show in the last 10 years, like on like an NBC, like cop show or right. something? Well, he like, was on something. Like a detective. It was like a detective type character, wasn't yeah. it? What was it? Let me see if I can find. 
I think that he, I mean, you know, I, when I hear him use the Lord's name it sounded pretty sincere about it, it gives me some feeling of, you know, I should pause before I accuse him of being part of a, uh, conspiracy. I know that the way that a lot of these secret societies operate and like what he's sort of alluding to these cults or whatever is that they actually like to put true, put bits of truth out about themselves um, as a sort of a way of boasting, you know, and so that was my first thought is that that this is one of those things where he's part of that and and you know putting certain information out or maybe he himself is one of those people being blackmailed while he talks about this blackmailing type operation but maybe he's just scared or really cares about the country and you know thinks things are really crazy. And I don't doubt for a second that when he was a young child actor, whenever that was, that somebody gave him some freak show video to watch because that's what Hollywood is based on, is built by freaks. <laughs> so Silver well, Spoons I, ran for 116 episodes from 1982 to 1987. His next major series was NYPD Blue from 1998 yeah. to 2001, which was 59 episodes. He then did 22 episodes on a show called Strong Medicine. He did 12 episodes on 24, which must have been enormous for him. And But that's basically it. It's been a while since he's done anything major, has been a part of anything large. I think he he comes across to me as sincere. I get the sense that he's at the point in his career and in his life where he is no longer threatened. He his career is done for the most and part. And doesn't right, doesn't care if he gets another acting job. Exactly. Maybe he's got enough money saved to live or doesn't care about that either. Maybe he's just like you said he it looks like he's on a ranch somewhere. Maybe he's just happy living. Yeah, um, but you know what, though, life. Rick, Rick, name names, okay, buddy, right? I appreciate it, but you've been silent all these years for what you describe as a, he describes basically what looks like, a, he describes something that sounds like a human sacrifice. So, right. Rick, you remain silent all these years, and okay, I'm not going to judge you, it's not my place to judge you, but I think that if you really want to... Uh, gain people's trust and and uh, and attention as you're talking about this, it's time to name names. This is just, if you don't name names, then Jeremy's right. You're just marketing. You're marketing yourself. Yeah, I think that's a good point because it's like you could see it both ways and you could see it if it is something he's sincere about and maybe he just got duped. Somebody sent him this thing like, Type in Illuminati backwards. It goes to NSA.gov. And he's just like, wow, just like we were until you brought some sanity to the conversation and said, yeah, anybody could point a domain anywhere they want to. <laughs> um, so, 
And maybe it's his his old handlers knew he would fall for it. <laughs> Go make a video about it. <laughs> Somebody right. somebody's profiting somewhere from this. But I think that's a good point. I mean, you know, if that did actually happen, you know, who told you to give the video back and don't ever tell anybody about it. Who gave you the your, video in the first place? Think about how dad, many people you know, and, have or, been. You know, and who gave you the video? Was it your manager? You know, how many Was human sacrifices have continued while you remained silent? Um. So yeah, I think that's a good point. Basically, now so that he puts this video out, then okay, put your money where your mouth is. I just want to throw one thing out there. It is Hollywood. It's possible the video that he saw was not an actual human sacrifice, but a recreated one. That's possible too. But that's also pretty disgusting. And you're going to show that to a kid. You're going to give that video to a kid. I mean, real or not, that's grooming. Totally. Um, But it, you know, Certainly not surprising, I think, at this point, with a lot of the things that we've heard about Hollywood and a lot of things that we know are going on or hear are going on, maybe that we don't know for sure, but that we suspect. Um, That would certainly provide more fuel for that fodder. Your dogs sound quiet. Yeah, it was a delivery. They just... They go nuts when the UPS guy shows up. So, did you say so you had Kennedy? You, you have Kennedy audience club? has to disappear. I had a Kennedy. Uh, yeah, I had a Kennedy update that uh, our audience from, loves it when we talk about Kennedy. Yeah, the Kennedy update uh, also comes from David G in Illinois. David G was a big producer today. Um. And he knows to send you Kennedy stuff because he knows you're a Kennedy man. (laughs) Did you, so we, when we've talked about Kennedy a couple times, uh, we had said, we thought, or I, I had said that I thought it seemed like he might be, uh, angling for a, uh, vice president spot or that it, and or something that I actually would like to see is him on a Trump Kennedy ticket. And there've been others that have said that too. Like Bannon has come out and said that Roger Stone has come out and said that because they've both come out and said that I'm scared that I came out and said that. Um, <laughs> but you're third, you're fully programmed Jeremy. He tweeted he tweeted, we didn't, we never covered it, but it was like last uh, May 10th, just to quell any speculation under no circumstances, under no circumstances in all caps, will I join Donald Trump on an electoral ticket? Our positions on certain fundamental issues, our approaches to governance and our philosophies of leadership could not be further apart. Yes. Um, I recall that. I thought yeah. we talked about that with Jim Hoft when he was on. No, we didn't. When he was on the podcast. We didn't cover that tweet. I don't think we covered that that comment oh, of Kennedy. I maybe don't we recall didn't. that. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he sounds pretty definitive. And he did this interview. Um, and who was the interview? It's like a looks like some sort of indie some sort of indie piece basically out in California and they're at his house. They're going on a hike. Um, it's on YouTube. And he also talks about Trump and why he's the candidate that can beat him. I've got that a little bit of that clip right here. Run against Trump better than anybody else can. Do you think you could win? I know I can win because I can hold it because I get, you know, uh, I get many of the same supporters. I will take support from Pre- President Trump. Nobody, no other Democrat can do that. My supporters are probably equally Republican and Democrat at this point. And I get more independent voters than anybody. And I can confront President Trump with the lockdowns, which no Democrat can. Lockdowns, clo- he closed 3.3 million businesses. He closed 41% of the Black-owned businesses in our country would never reopen again. It was a war on the poor. It was a war on minorities. It was the destruction of the middle class. Did he okay. do those things? He didn't do those things. He let the governors decide. Those were all Democratic governors that did that. And some Republicans, but... Well... I agree that Bush... I, I, uh, that Bush... That, <laughs> Bush... That Trump is... He's got... He. This is a major problem for him. He did allow the the government to shut down, but I don't, I feel like Kennedy actually is out, stepping out of the lane with that one. I don't know. I feel like it's easy to, I, I think Trump deserves a lot of blame for the way things went um, from a leadership standpoint, not necessarily things he could maybe technically do or not. Do, right. No, that's but- why I agree with you on that, which is why I feel like Kennedy is undercutting the bona fide criticism of Trump by making that claim. It's going to make Trump supporters defensive and probably rightfully so because of Trump deserves blame for operation warp speed. Trump deserves blame for not firing Fauci and bricks immediately. He deserves blame for allowing governors to do what they did. Uh, maybe I, I guess it's debatable because at the end of the day, it strengthens states' rights. Well, yeah, it's like what well, could, could you know? But it, but it was it was a leadership thing. You know, it was something that he could have taken. I mean, he went and declared a national emergency. He gave that speech to so the whole country. Looked like he was being held hostage. He looked like he didn't know what he was doing. That was the first time I, I agree that I really lost faith in Trump as far as. You know, it was a very disappointing. Yeah. It was like he just looked different. He had a totally different demeanor. He seemed com- from prior to that, he had always seemed in control of just about every situation, even in the ones that seemed to be going against him. And in that moment, he appeared weak. Right. The events, unknowledgeable events were bigger than him in that to moment. deal with a real emergency. And the yeah. real emergency was not COVID. It was letting your country go down the toilet because of COVID. Right, but that's, but again, and I agree with you 100% of what you just said. I wish Kennedy had said that because <laughs> Kennedy didn't say that. Kennedy made a claim that I don't think Trump is actually, it's very debatable whether or not that's something you can blame Trump for, specifically. Well, I, if, anyways, put, if it was put the way you put it, I, I would be in much more agreement with it. 
So when David G. sent this story in, he said, wow, that was quick. Because if you recall, it was just on May 10th that he said, under no circumstances, in all caps, would he run on a ticket with Donald Trump. And then this is like a week later, he's in this other interview. You could endorse Trump then. Uh, I, I don't see that happening. He said you would endorse Trump. You could endorse Trump then. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't say no. So you could I, I, endorse Trump then. Uh, I, I don't see that happening. You would never endorse President Trump. I, I don't. I think we have so many differences in style and approach that um, that I uh, I probably would never end up there. All right. Well, sir, we appreciate your time. Thanks. Probably would never end. Probably means maybe. (laughs) And now the question wasn't exactly you'll run on a ticket with Trump, right? But if you would endorse Trump, you wouldn't run on a ticket with Trump. (laughs) Well, but it's it's meant to drive a wedge between Kennedy and any potential Democratic voters, where they'll say, "What kind of a Democrat would endorse Trump? Under any conceivable uh, setting, endorse Trump." So I agree. And I like, but I liked the, uh, I liked the clip. It, it, uh, kept my hope alive. As you yeah, know, I've declared, I'm a, I've declared <laughs> I'm a Trump Republican and a Kennedy Democrat. Yeah. I don't see it and happening. Kennedy, it, Kennedy still, still has, uh, he still has aristocratic status. He, at the end of the day is going to want to maintain, even as damaged as he is in those circles, he's still in those circles. No, I'm laying it. I've been laying it down. It's the only path forward for both men, in my opinion. Okay. Neither well then I'm still going back to my chance. original, uh, uh, prediction from very early on in our episodes, uh, may have been in the point episodes before we even aired number one. Uh, which is that they're positioning Michelle Obama. That's who's going to be. I don't think so. That's who it's going to be. I do not You're gonna think so. You're going to slot her in. She'll be President Obama. Uh, okay, so, well, you know what? This is actually, I can't believe how efficient we're going to be today. This yeah, is, you're right on the money here. Uh, ooh, money. Money. Well done, Jeremy. Ladies and gentlemen, we've arrived at that point in the podcast where we can tell you how we take care of business here. You may have noticed we do not have any corporate sponsors. Jeremy, tell them why we don't have any corporate sponsors. Because we've refused all of their offers. We had uh, Procter & Gamble offered us a high five-figure sponsorship. Pfizer. Pfizer said uh, we could have our own island as long as we push the vaccine. We told Pfizer that we were in talks with Johnson & Johnson. We told Johnson & Johnson we were in talks with Pfizer, and then we just didn't return either of their phone calls. That's right. And that's how it's going to be. And the reason for that is because... We are the truth bait podcast. We are not the propaganda bait podcast, the clickbait podcast. And in order for us to bring you the truth, we cannot have corporate sponsorships. We have to have citizen sponsorships. 
That's where you come in. Ladies and gentlemen, this is called the value for value model. If you've been listening to this program, if you think what we've been talking about and the analysis and the deconstruction has been of value to you, then the way this works is we ask you to return value to the podcast so that we can continue bringing you this value. And uh, Jeremy, I have an update for you here real quick. Three ways to do it. There's time, talent, and treasure. Time, David, from Illinois, thank you so much. You have been giving us your time. That is of huge value to us. Talent. Uh, we have uh, producers out there who are sending us artwork. We have uh, uh, people sending us segment ideas. That is also of tremendous value. The third way, treasure, we're getting very close, Jeremy. You know, we've been trying for quite a while to open a business account for the Truth Fate podcast. And we have now officially given up on the bank, the very large name brand bank, who uh, was telling us that it was going to be at least another month before they could give us approval. Wow. And I believe that that is because they didn't want to tell us no. But the answer is no. That's incredible. We walked across the street, metaphorically, to a different bank. And they have already assured us we will have an account and we should have account numbers this week. And uh, so we are ready with, I have a Stripe account ready. All it needs is a bank account. And as soon as we have a bank account, we are going to be able to accept that third form of value, which is treasure. And we'll be asking people to send us uh, cash donations to help us keep this podcast going. It is a full-time job for Jeremy and I, and he and I have been steadfastly dedicated to bring you this program twice a week, every week, without fail. Have we failed? Did we miss one episode? We missed one, I think. No, because you did a solo. I did a episode. solo. That's right. So we so that counted for as a half. <laughs> that's why I did half the numbers. With uh, you've had we've had surgeries. We've had family you traumas. Called it, you illness. called that episode half truth. You should have called it the lonely show. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> I just never forget listening to that thinking, man, I can't chime in. I need to chime in. <laughs> it, 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 I like, think it waiting, proved. waiting for me to chime in and I'm not there for him. He See, sounds lonely. Yeah, well, it was lonely, I was, but I'm used to talking to myself. It was, uh, I think it was proof positive that this is a two-man operation or two-person operation. I don't want to offend any potential future women that might take over this podcast one day. Um, uh, yeah, so we will be able to accept cash donations soon. In the meantime, please continue to share the show. Let's read that other uh, There was a couple review. of things. So we had another review. You want to read it? The Big Letdown? The Big Letdown. This was the one that was, oh, okay. Yeah, this was the one that was, I think, accidentally was a two-star, and now it's been changed. Bev Pearl. We know who Bev Pearl is. Love Bev Pearl. Bev Pearl is Mama Bear Bev, who's a regular contributor to the show, and we love her. Um, thanks for the brutal truth. Appreciate all your research and your courage to present it, and your humor, too. Helps us laugh to keep from crying. 
Bravo, fellas. Thank that's you, great. And that's a second, that's a second comment on our humor, which is great. Because there was another comment about our humor that said we were funny at times. Well, see, I think Bev drinks. And uh, I think that what happens is people are water. They're, they're drinking drink and water. they're listening to the podcast. And look, I know you don't drink, Jeremy. I know a lot of listeners here don't drink. I'm just saying that I've noticed that it's possible that the ones who do are finding us even funnier. Well, I know for a fact that the other comment that finds us funny at times is too young to drink. <laughs> <laughs> So that's great. Thank you, Bev. And we're starting to rack up, a, you know, some decent reviews here. And by so, the way, I do not think Bev drinks. That was a joke okay. for our sober-minded <laughs> for our sober-minded <laughs> yeah. audience members. <laughs> I did. That's what I thought. I was surprised to hear you say that. Um, so no, but that's great because we're getting we're building up some steam now. There's quite a bit of ratings on Apple and uh, quite a bit of reviews still. Nowhere near enough. We know for a fact more people are listening to this show. So please, if you are and you have not done it yet, go to Apple Podcasts, write us a review. Make sure it's a good review and a five-star review. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Bev. Um, There was another thing that happened. We're, oh, you know what? Though we're also rated up on on uh, Spotify now. Is it? We, yeah, Find we we didn't have enough at first, but uh, we now have we have a five point we have a five star rating, and apparently there have been eleven reviews. Eleven people have rated it. Oh, great! It doesn't Excellent. give any further breakdown than that. All I see is five star and uh, an eleven in parentheses. So, okay, well that's good. That's we need more. Uh, so if you normally listen on one platform, uh, go over to the other and rate it. It's definitely uh, going to help us out. I know one thing right now, like at least the last time I checked when I was listening to the show myself, you know, it always shows you recommendations of other shows that are similar and ours has no other recommendations, which means there is just nothing like the Truth Bay podcast. <laughs> That's right. Which means <laughs> we're not going to get recommended on other people's podcasts. <laughs> but I do think the more ratings we get uh, might help us get that recommendation at some time. At some point in time, their algorithm is going to figure out who we're like, like the Christian Alex Jones. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, do you remember the complaint that we had that I read last week? Uh, refresh my memory. Well, we were, it was a complaint that we, that I was, uh, suppressing your freedom from yes. uh, using vulgar speech. That's right. Profanity. Yes. Uh, something I thought that would never happen. I, I promised you that that would not happen if we decided to not use profanity. Um, but uh, we read the message. That was from uh, from a listener, uh, Michael L. in Illinois. But, uh, but Jeff from Elkhorn was listening to that, and he chimed in on the same subject. And he wrote in... 
Hi, Jeremy and Andrew. Regarding the gentleman from Vernon Hills and his condoning, cursing, swearing, vulgar, obscene language in the public discourse, I used to communicate that way. No need to unpack all that. However, when I did, I knew that it was at best a lazy way of avoiding substantive discourse. At worst, a shallow way to demean or disparage a person, their character, or their idea slash philosophy. It's also acquiescing to the left's premises and narrative in order to avoid substantive, genuine, and intellectual dialogue. As a Christian, I also want to obey and honor God, in whom's image I was conceived and created. As revealed in his word, there is also reference, at least these two. There are many more to what God says about this. He sent in uh, a a verse from Ephesians 5.4, and there must be no filthiness or foolish talk or vulgar joking, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So you are turning um, this into the Christian podcast. I'm not. I think the thing that's interesting here is uh, that's, that is what informed me why we should make that decision in, in producing this show. And those were my reasons for being adamant about it uh, was, was my interest in uh, not offending God. Uh, See, well, you're worried about God. I'm worried about the children. Well, God, I know, is worried about the children. And so I I just appealed directly to the highest authority there. And uh, that was why I think Jeff sees the same thing. But I think that uh, this is reaffirming to my position that our one complainer, uh, did not. You know, hold on a second. Just because he's one complainer, he probably speaks for a number of people out there. Okay. Well, we do have a wide variety of people in our audience. Well, let me tell you something because Michael wrote in again. You don't say. Yeah. Michael said he listened to episode 26. He says, You are a funny dude. I like your segment and how you introduced your deplorable listener as the one complaint that you never saw coming. (laughs) I was told I'm irredeemable, so forgive me. Uh, He said a few things. Wait, who said he's irredeemable? (laughs) I I don't know. Uh, 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 A few things. One, I agree. Your appeal will be better by remaining clean. You are correct. It was more the free speech angle that Andrew identified as my point. Words used in the proper context and tone can always be appropriate based on topic in my deplorable opinion. Last point, be nice to Andrew because bleep, bleep, bleep. I just added the sound effect for <laughs> what was <written> there. <laughs> Call me the deplorable. Okay, so Mike L. wants to be known as the deplorable. Uh, he said bleep, bleep, bleep. I didn't actually bleep profane words. And I am glad, Michael, that we've had that effect on you and you were able to refrain from using that uh, type of language in your email to us. I think you just think it's a good conversation. I like 
this is, I think, cool that now there's a little bit of back and forth between some of the listeners. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I don't know if everybody is as uh, enthralled with it. Maybe not. Maybe not. Listen, hey, listen. Then they can write us and let us know. Write us and let us know. Truth at truthbait.com. Uh, yeah. No profanity at truthbait.com. <laughs> Uh, all right. Did you do you have anything else? I don't want to cut off anything that is from our listeners, from our producers. Uh, I have nothing else from the listeners today. Um, do you want to hear a William Kelly update? Sure. Uh, so William Kelly, uh, people might remember, is a Chicago journalist. He was uh, became gained a lot of. Uh, Notoriety around the country uh, for his ability to get under former Mayor Lightfoot's skin in her press conferences. She revoked his press pass. He's been in a lawsuit with the city ever since for his credentials. He's a tenacious reporter on the scene in Chicago, and he's been covering uh, the story of where illegal immigrants are, illegal aliens are being housed in the city of Chicago. And he uh, had a story a couple weeks ago about a hotel here in Chicago called the Inn of Chicago, which has been basically converted over into an illegal alien shelter uh, that Chicagoans are not even allowed into, uh, as, as evidenced by William Kelly attempting to go into the hotel and being blocked. He apparently discovered that, do you remember a place called the Standard Club, Jeremy? Yes. And the Standard Club was a very fancy schmancy club in Chicago. It went out of business. Um, and uh, it is now a shelter for illegal aliens. Um, and it, the the Standard Club is a block away from the federal uh, from the federal building in Chicago. The Federal Reserve Building, right? Federal Reserve the- and Federal Courthouse. And uh, so here this is from the Sun Times. They talk about uh, let's see. The Standard Club is on Plymouth Court in the shadows of federal of the federal building complex. Chief yeah, US- right by the Chicago Board of Trade. Federal. It's all that's the economic center of the city, yep. right there. Chief U.S. District Judge Rebecca Palmeyer alerted her colleagues to the designation in a recent email. "Quote: Some of you have observed recent uh, incre- have observed increased activity at the building formerly occupied by the Standard Club, 320 South Pl- Plymouth Court." We have learned that the city of Chicago is using the building as temporary housing for newly arrived migrants. Migrants. She uses the word migrants. They're illegal aliens. Uh, There are 700 new residents, and the number is expected to rise to 1,200 at least for several months. Some of these new neighbors are likely to be frightened and anxious. Please exercise caution and courtesy whenever you are in the areas surrounding the courthouse. Yeah, so... Just remember, Americans, you need to be careful because these illegal aliens might be uh, uh, frightened or anxious. So you need to be careful around them. At a joint city council committee hearing last week, older persons were told Chicago is out of money, space, and time to handle the humanitarian crisis caused by asylum seekers. Asylum seekers, Jeremy. Where specifically are they seeking asylum from? And what exactly are they fleeing Nobody wants to talk about that because they're not asylum seekers. And if you were to stretch the meaning, they're seeking asylum from leftism, from socialism, 
They're fleeing their S-hole countries, as Trump said, which are all socialist utopias. So at any rate, William Kelly got word of this, and he went down and uh, took a look for himself. Here's his report. I'm reporter William J. Kelly. I'm here at the Standard Club of Chicago, which used to be one of the premier private clubs in the city. Now it is an emergency migrant shelter and the home of a newly arrived 27-year-old Venezuelan migrant named Elvis Diaz Betancourt, who has just been charged with aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. Betancourt was caught on camera at Pritzker Park stabbing another migrant in the hip. A Cook County judge set his bail at $20,000 to get him out of jail on electronic monitoring, perhaps so he can enjoy some of the Standard Club's luxury amenities. The Standard Club was recently acquired by Remo Pacelli, who also owns the Inn of Chicago, the subject of my previous viral migrant hotel investigation. Pacelli has been convicted of tax evasion and went to federal prison for 27 months. He still owes the IRS $2 million. But thanks to Mayor Lightfoot, Chicago is apparently paying him per migrant on the taxpayer's dime. Well, that's quite a racket. Nice. The guy owes money to the government? And he's yeah, but he's doing a major service for asylum seekers. I wonder what kind of deal was worked out. Right. So is the government going to use taxpayer dollars to pay off this guy's debts to the government? Well, obviously those debts aren't going to be a problem anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, that to me that's the lead of the story. Uh, uh, William Kelly unfortunately buried it towards the end, but that's that's the lead. It's yeah. the corruption. It's the yeah. it's the money gravy train, and that a a, a tax paying deadbeat, a, a deadbeat, not a deadbeat debt, a deadbeat taxpayer. Is that what you would call somebody who's not paying their taxes? Anyway, that was crazy. Yeah, gotta love that city. My, I still hold out hopes that one day we will book William Kelly on this podcast. It, it seems to, he's very elusive. The audience is going to have to chip in a lot of money to get that one. I think. <laughs> you think we're going to have to make a direct payment to William <laughs> Kelly seems- to get him on the podcast? <laughs> what it seems like. <laughs> uh, well, we we'll keep trying. We will keep trying. He yeah. he does get to a lot of truth, and we'd love to bring the truth uh, to our listeners. So, I do like his uh, reporting. I always have. Agreed. Well, Jeremy, do you have anything else? Uh, just that there were some, I caught this open comms going across the wires today. Uh, Democrat rep Jayapal, um, you know, with regard to this debt ceiling issue that's going on that McCarthy's going to end up caving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's making threats about people in the streets. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic, you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. You know, I mean, I think that this is, it's important that we don't take steps back from the very strong agenda that the president himself shepherded and led over the last two years. So I just found that was, uh, those are the, those are some things audience, audience could pay attention to when you see, uh, 
clips like that, that's direct open communications telling, uh, telling people to get ready, you know, to, uh, they use it as a way to threaten, uh, to get the things that they want. But I, I think they're going to get it without it. I think McCarthy's going to fold on everything anyways. Do you? Ooh, prediction. Yeah. I mean, they're, they'll, they'll, they'll probably give him some things to make it look, you know, like he's done okay. You know, at the end, they'll make it look like they both got concessions. Uh, so Biden's happy. Biden's people are happy. McCarthy's happy. Mcarthy's people are happy. And, then, you know, business as usual. Right. There'll be some the, cuts. There'll be just enough cuts in just the right way to inflame the left. Keep the money flowing. Yeah, and keep, keep and keep people inflamed. Flowing. Keep keep the riots going. Keep the money flowing and the riots going. So, well, anyways. that's as good a way to end the show as any, I think. <laughs> keep the riots going and the money flowing, ladies and gentlemen. Into the streets. Out of the shadows and into the streets. Shorter episode today, clocking in at just about an hour and 20 minutes. Sometimes the truth is very efficient, Jeremy. It can be that way. Thank you. Please keep the stories coming. Absolutely. Thank you, David in Illinois. Yeah, that was good. Two out of David. Uh, We want more listener participation. If you're seeing interesting stories, I think uh, that one was good because it was, you know, Kennedy kind of clearly backtracked quickly already on that one. He looks like he tried to take a strong stand, but then he sort of bailed on that strong stand a little bit. Didn't want to pigeonhole himself. Dr. Wen, when Dr. Wen was on CNN after the bombing, that was a good one because uh, we could go down the conspiracy rabbit hole with that for a while. Yes, please send us more. More on Dr. Um, Wen. Oh, yeah. And it's thank you to the people who uh, who gave us ratings, to Bev Pearl and others. Those are very helpful. It's it, it gives us a lot more to do, and it's more fun. I think when people participate, people are writing emails, people are doing the reviews, people are sending in... Uh, clips and interesting stories. We, you know, we always emphasize it. We want to keep emphasizing, though, that this is something we're trying to have a community-driven podcast here. Uh, so we definitely appreciate it. And it seems like it's working. Please keep doing that. Oh, secret code word winner of last episode was Dan. King in Janesville, Wisconsin. Remind people what the secret word was. The secret word... I don't remember, do you? (laughs) Impeach everyone. The secret word was impeach everyone. Which was also the title. What is the secret word for today, Mr. Marcus? The secret word for today is ibuprofen. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we, are, we are in talks. Just to background, we got contacted by Advil. We wanted to see how this works. There's been a lot ibuprofen. of ibuprofen in, in my family recently. <laughs> so, 
But everybody's on the mend, is that correct? All is well, and the show continues. We bring you the Truth Bait Podcast every Tuesday and Friday without fail. To the best of our ability, in the last two weeks have been that. So we look forward to a little more production time in the weeks ahead. But now back into the sea of clickbait with us all. 